I know I'm crazy. What's up, y'all? Do you know you're crazy? Because I know I'm crazy. This is your host, Naja Hall, with the I Know I'm Crazy podcast. Today, we are covering one of our favorite freaking topics. Not about our favorite types of people, but we all like to talk about this. We like to talk about narcissists and what they've done to us and how they've made us feel and how to recognize them and all these things. I don't know why it's so polarizing, but here we are. Today, we have our guest, Coach Ralph Toulon. And after this dance break, I'm going to tell you all about her. And we're going to get all into that narc in your life. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm doing crazy. I know I'm crazy. All right, so I don't know why I get so hyped every time I hear my own theme song. Like, I, I got you guys, you don't have a theme song. You need to get yourself a theme song. Like, it makes you feel like, you know, I feel like I'm Beyonce about to get on stage, except for I'm talking to you guys on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and all the other everywhere else you can watch this. So, <laughs> if you are wanting to watch this, and watch all the video prompts and the pretty little doohickeys that we spent hours on decorating these videos, please go to YouTube. Today's um, today's episode is not only audio, it's also visual. So look down in the link below if you wanna watch the video. Today we're talking to Ralph Toulon. Ralph is a wife, a mom, and a bonus mom who has turned her darkest time dealing with the effects of being in a narcissistic relationship into her mission to help women struggling in their own relationships. She got focused and did the work on herself first. And shortly after she became certified as a professional coach. While serving her clients, Ralph went back to become mastered certified professional coach to continue to help women put a name to what they're experiencing, survive, heal, and have the healthy relationships that they deserve. Coach Ralph! Yes! <laughs> Finally, guys, I've been trying to get her on this podcast for Ooh, I think. over eight months, I feel like. Yes. She's so worth the wait because for those of you, and while you're looking, listening to this podcast, especially if you're listening, I just want you to go over and pop on her Instagram real quick because she drops life-changing nuggets every single day. Ralph, what's your Instagram? It is Ralph the Coach. You can, okay. go. <laughs> So go pop over to Ralph the Coach real quick because we're about to really get into it. So I always like to have ask people their motivations. And clearly your motivation stemmed from your own real life experiences. And tell us as much as you can about what led you to be here helping us. Um, it was actually the day that I decided that I was going to focus on helping women. Um, with at the point it was like this issue that's how I told myself is uh -huh. when I realized that I was depressed so I didn't even know that I was even depressed I had been so fatigued I had um I was even going to the doctor trying to figure out like oh god am I pregnant Jesus like I was telling them to run blood tests <laughs> um, with me? what yeah. is wrong it, because I would you know, I was a stay at home mom. So what I would do is, you know, um, take my son to school, come back, start my day. And then I would have to take a nap and then I would take a nap and then I would get up and then I would have to take another nap. And by the time I would, it'd be time for me to pick him up from school. I would have taken either two or three naps and I would still be tired. I would just have enough energy to do maybe one or two tasks. And then I will be tired. And then he goes to bed at eight o'clock and I am right behind him. And normally any, you know, functioning person, if you've already taken just one nap, you're probably up until 12 o'clock at night. But after two, three naps, I'm going to bed at eight, nine o'clock, like exhausted. And then I would just lay down and then I would get up and I would dread like having to do things and get up and do this. And I just, I just wanted to be in the bed. I did not want to do anything. I didn't want to hang out. And then, um, for your listeners who have maybe experienced what I call the smirk. <laughs> uh, one day I was laying in the bed. I think it might've been a weekend. And, um, you know, he was just like, you know, are you okay? You know, I know you've been tired. And I was just like, I just, I just can't get it together. Like I can't shake this. And I was just in the bed and I was just like, oh, and he, I caught him out the side of my eyes and he was smirking. 
And right then it clicked for me. I said, oh, oh. hell no. I was like, he, th- he likes this. He and gets really fueled by you being yes down, like being down and out. Can't can't do anything it's right. You down and out. And before, just previously to this happening, I remember um, asking him one time, and I was saying, I I really think that like when I'm not having a good day, or if I'm like, you know, not dealing with something well, like you enjoy that, like you enjoy when I'm mad. Um, but when I'm happy, it seems like you're upset. And he was like, no. And I was like, it just seems that way. Because anytime that I'm just not like on my game, you seem better. And he was like, I don't know why you would think that. And so then when I, you know, now present, like I see the smirk. Like once he left out the room, I sat up in the bed and I said, no, the hell you won't. I said, I have to fight this. I have to fight. And that's exactly what I went to. I went, I am, I'm like, I'm not going to let you kill me. Cause in my mind, I'm like, I always, even when we were in therapy, I would tell the therapist, like, I feel like so much is on me that I am just going to kill over in the street. And I'm like, I do not want that to happen to me. And I do not want to leave my son. And so I sat up, I turned and put my feet over the side of the bed. And I said, and I don't know how I just bypassed my whole entire self, but I said, Anybody who's dealing with this type of I have to help them because it was so long. I didn't know. I didn't know what this was, but I was just fighting. And I could, I was like, I could just imagine anybody else going through this. I was like, I have to help them. And so So that's how I got here. (laughs) In in that situation where you saw the smirk, I could imagine that this person felt emboldened. They felt bigger. They were snuffing the life out of you. So when you were down and out, laying in bed, lethargic, were they at, at your every beck and call? Like, did they need to be of service? Like, why? No. 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 What about <laughs> stepping on a person's head? Um, why would that fuel them to be happy or feel whole or whatever the heck it is they got out of that? Well, normally for... Um, narcissistic people, they are severely insecure. It's not just your basic insecurities that may overwhelm them for periods. It's severe. And so the whole act, the whole show is about covering that up. Not letting you know that, you know, this grand personality that I have or this self-serving or everything has to be about me is really covering up how I feel about myself. And so if I can kind of like get you down to my level or even below that, that makes me feel better. And so, yeah, I feel better because I get to lean on your shoulders and prop myself up. Yes. And so the thing is that I, I often explain to my clients is that narcissistic people don't go after, um, weak, insecure, um, people that are just, you know, already broken they go after people who have something about themselves, whether it's a great job or a great personality, people gravitate towards them. Um, even Why? nice cars, house. Um, say that again. Why? Why would they go? Now, I feel like if you're going after a waif or somebody that's already broken, that's a kind of easy target. But why would they go after someone that's of stature? Because you have, if you're already broken, if you're already uh, dealing with something, if you're already at an insecure place, that's nothing to brag on. I need something to brag on. Like if you have a podcast, I you then. yeah, I, and it's, it's not for your overt and your covert narcissist is not a conscious thing. I have to break you because initially that is what attracted me to you. I, I really did like that about you. I love that you were very successful. I love that you had your own business. I love that you take care of your family. I love your personality. I love how everybody gravitates towards you. But then at some point, that became so um, disgusting to me. Disgusting. Ooh, and that's where I come to devaluing you. Yes, I cannot stand it about you because it gets on my nerve. It's not palatable for me to take anymore. So then I have to bring you down to a level that I can consume you better at. Because now everything that attracted me to you, your greatness, your, your, uh, your pizzazz is making me feel a type of way about myself. So for me to take 
you on better, I need to bring you down. Let, let, let me bring you down to my level so then I can, you know, digest you better because you make you you triggering. You're triggering to me like this. You're triggering me with your confidence. <laughs> Don't like it. You're triggering me that everybody likes you. What are some of the methods that they would use to break you down? Definitely a go-to is belittling. So initially what they call in the love bombing stage is, is that that is that stage where I'm so attracted to you. Like I'm just so engulfed in you. But in that you want to look for a lot of asking you questions, having you do a lot of the talking, because what they're doing is they're they're gaining information. They want to know what are your insecurities? What are your triggers? What are your soft points? So in that time, when I have to use them, I'm going to use them against you. So if you told them, like, you know, I've always had bad relationships with girlfriends. And so now at this point of where I can't take your grand personality, which I love so much, and I have to devalue you, I'm going to say, see, the reasons why we have problems in our relationship is you. You can't even have relationships with girlfriends. So I don't know why you thought you could have a relationship with me. Wow. So and then so just so basically they have the ability to just they do this information gathering because they make <laughs> you open up because they love bomb you and they've yeah. got all these tools now these these bullets mm -hmm. to load this gun of insecurity and fire back at you when they need to break you down to size basically that's yes oh so yeah. you got a hell of a most motivation coach ralph <laughs> Question that I like to ask everybody that comes on this podcast, and I always like to kind of bum rush people, is because the podcast is called I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall. Like everybody that listens to this, y'all know why I'm crazy. Y'all find out a different reason every Tuesday. But Coach Ralph, we need to know what the heck makes you crazy just like the rest of us. <laughs> I was a plethora of things. <laughs> Which is uh, what makes me crazy. I, I, I would have to say what most people are not going to do is I'm going to buck back mm -hmm. or yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the person who is going to bully the bully. I'm the person who's going to stand up and say something when nobody else in the room is going to say something. I, I, I am always the one who's probably going to do something that most people are not going to do. <laughs> so that is my crazy. Oh my gosh. So many times as women, you know, they tell us to, be ladylike and turn the other cheek and forgive and forget. And when they go low, we go high. And what I found in my experience of trying to be that for, I'm 40 now. So I probably started being a thug about two years ago. Lies. It's really <laughs> deafening. You know, like when you try, when you go low, when you go high and they go low, like it's so difficult because the disordered people, the narcissists, the borderlines, the people with these mental illnesses, or that's just the, or I'm not putting those people in bad categories or the people that are in the bad categories. They take advantage of the fact that you turn the other cheek and they slap the piss out. Yes. Every so, single time. I like the fact that you're like, nah, bro, I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to meet you where you're at. Yes. Because the, I, I've always been outspoken. I've always been, you know, I guess like a firecracker. So the one time that I decided that, you know, going to do the be different, you know, be more simmer down, be more, I married a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> what? The, the one time when you're like, what? Damn, damn, bro. Well, yeah. <laughs> the one, the one time. <laughs> All it took was one time. <laughs> okay, so how does the narcissist that you married feel about your platform and the fact that you're calling them this label? Okay, well, one, I'm still married to my narky husband. <laughs> Most people are like, what? Wait a and, minute. Wait just yes. A Excuse me? Yes, I am still married to my narcissistic husband, yes. So, okay, well, you got to break that down for us, Coach Ralph. Well, she, I am the only, there's only, only one reason why I'm still married to my narcissistic for baby, For your child. Absolutely not, no. Oh. Absolutely not, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was in tow. We was out the door, okay? It's because he's in therapy. Oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying not to cuss. Oh, shucks. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. I, I don't condone any of my clients to stay in any relationship that is toxic, that is harmful for the kids. Yes. I don't. I don't. You because you're not you're not giving them. You're not giving them any healthy benefits to then go on. We need to stop this cycle of yes. toxic relationships. We yes. got to. So I was because I know you mentioned that you guys were in um therapy, you're in marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. Who is marriage counseling? And typically a lot of the counselors are trained to notice or recognize disordered personalities. So did that particular therapist tell you guys like, hey, I think he needs a diagnosis or did you get that at that time? So I'm going to just piggyback off of what you said. Most of them are trained. Most of them don't outside of training. They don't go any further unless that is their specialized like niche. Most therapists will be talking to the narcissistic partner and not even know. And most of the time that narcissistic partner is manipulating the therapist. And that's why they love going to couple therapy. Love it. Because they get we to were, make you like the crazy person. You're the best. Boom. There you go. And I will buck up against both of them. Because, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I'm like, look, this is not what we're about to do. I already see what you're trying to do. Mm. But it's very imperative that they go by themselves. Mm. Because you have you have no one, you have no one else to put the blame on. You have no one else to to pass the buck to. It's just you and to diagnose them. Me and my husband were in therapy for three years. <laughs> three three years, nothing, nothing changed. Okay, I asked him to go by himself. Basically, he gave me his behind the kiss. Did not do it, and then he had his own breakthrough, and he went on his own. And even in the midst of him going, I still didn't care. I was already making my plan because I was a stay-at-home mom. I didn't have my own income. I, will ha I had to make a plan to leave. And so I was still making my plan. Not until he was in therapy for seven to eight months did I decide like, hmm, let me, let me see. Because I, because, you know, they'll go and they're good at uh, upholding, you yeah. know, a good face for a while. And I was used to it being for a while. And then we were back to normal and then being on the cycle of yes. Yeah. And so not until I was like, okay, he's actually like working, putting in the work, still going. He goes every other Wednesday, even up till now. And so we're going on almost two years of him doing that faithfully wow. not miss not miss at all every other wednesday and that's a hard charade to keep up if you're just trying to win your partner back so boom some so why has he become dedicated to changing himself what's what's well, the motivation here does your partner share kids with a loony are your stepkids driving you up a wall is your partner failing miserably at setting boundaries well vip stepmom is where you need to be we're an exclusive private community just for stepmoms, and we'd love for you to join our tribe. Each month, our members enjoy private conversations, podcasts, expert workshops, a subscription to Stepmom Magazine, and monthly live Zoom meetings. If you're ready to join a diverse community that is committed to making sure you live your best life, visit VIP Stepmom today. We'll save a seat for you. VIP, VIP, Stepmoms, that's you and me. One, um, in probably the first month or two of therapy, um, he realized a lot of subconscious uh, things that he was holding on to and also that he was narcissistic. And so then what also fueled that was talking to his friends and asking, like, did you know I was like this? And then, you know, them being like, yeah. And so that was kind of like a dagger to him because it's like, so y'all allow me to conduct myself in this manner and nobody said anything to me. And it was kind of like, well, we were just waiting for you to figure it out, but they don't have any self-awareness. So then, you know, but his friends don't know, you know, no one is just on their right. daily, you know, looking at narcissistic things. Nope. So, but he would have never figured it out because they have no self-awareness. So he was kind of hurt by that, but just to not show up like how he's been showing up and hurting people and doing things. He doesn't want to be like that anymore. And he also wants to be able to deal with the subconscious um, trauma that he went through. So then he can be better. He knows that, you know, there are things that is just what it is. And I know that as well. You know, you yeah. got to be realistic if you're going to stay, but the actual abuse part has stopped. And so he doesn't want to be abusive anymore in those ways. He doesn't want to manipulate people. He doesn't want to, like he he we have these conversations. He always says, My first thought is to not care about what 
happens to people or or, yeah. or how they feel. And he's like, yeah. so I have to, I have to like switch it. And he's like, it's so hard. Like some days it's just so hard, like to not give a about people. Right. <laughs> because his go-to, it sounds like his go-to reaction is not even being apathetic, just like not care. Like, yeah, it's like whatever. <laughs> this doesn't phase me. So then what do you think that a narcissist is capable of love? And so say that I see this a lot and, uh, you know, a lot of people I see in chats and things like wanting to know, have they ever loved me? And one, I tell you to not focus on any relationship because everyone, <clears throat> excuse me, everyone is taught to love differently. And you're looking for someone to love you like how you love and that's wrong. So even though a lot of books, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> a lot of books, a lot of things you see on the internet will tell you that narcissistic people are not capable of love. And I will disagree a to that lot, point. A lot of resources will say that. And the only reason why I disagree, not because I'm with one, is because they're giving you what they really feel that love is. They genuinely are. But you have to remember, they were, they were taught because narcissists aren't born they're made. made and we all come to all relationships from what we've experienced in our house what we've seen our parents or our parent or what they've have done to us so i'm going to treat you like that that's with anybody and so most of the time is what mommy and daddy or mom or dad has shown me or what i have translated that is love i'm now giving that to you it just so happened that might have been abuse mm. so Typically, we see that the person that has had to become a narcissist, they've developed this uh, pattern of behavior just because they had to cope from some sort of trauma or some sort of series of traumas, meaning abuse, neglect, um, could be a whole abandonment. Mm -hmm. abandonment. When the narcissist recognizes the thing that created this pattern in them, how are they supposed to coexist? with this thing and that thing could be their family the mother their father the uncle how are they supposed to coexist is it best for them to just cut off contact while they're healing or can they coexist in the midst of getting better most people not just even narcissistic but it just depends on the situation so um most of the time if a narcissist is going to go to therapy and then they are faced with the uh, trauma that has you know help them to become who they are yes, um yes. normally you know as an adult you are away from that parent that that family member but let's just say that parent or family member is sick and you have to take care of them you that's why it's so good to go to a psychotherapist when you are dealing with narcissism because they will have to give them the the coping skills on how to because what it is all of them are going to tell them you have to address you have to address it. And the generation that most of us, you know, I'm also 40. We have parents who are not, they don't take, um, <laughs> they don't take it well that you say, Hey, you weren't the best parent. Um, oh you did God. these things oh. to me. <laughs> oh that just made me gasp. I wouldn't dare fix my mouth to. Why? So to, to, to put on top of that, the trauma and then the denial of the trauma and so you have to have a, a therapist who is capable of helping you how to cope so you don't backpedal into like, see, this is why I treat people the way I do or see, this is why I didn't want to do this. Because more than likely, you're not going to get validation from the person that made you develop these coping mechanisms. Right, yeah. So let's talk about how do you make somebody a narcissist? You got this beautiful little nine, that's a heavy baby. Uh, eight, <laughs> <laughs> you have this beautiful little seven bundle of joy and you're like, I'm going to give them the world they're going to be the next president i'm going to give them everything i didn't have and then they grow up to be a freaking narcissist how do you make this little innocent being who's a blank slate what can we do to create that i don't want you guys okay. to create it but i'm kind of telling you like coach ralph is going to teach us some methods so that we don't put these traits in our in our own babies okay so we have a window just so let's start there we have a window from zero to about 11 and 12. Okay, that's our window. So even if at six or seven years old, you're starting to uh, maybe see some signs there and, and that may be possible or not, 
you still have time before you get to this 11, 12 year age of closure. And this is what this child is going to be when it comes to narcissism. So either you with this blank slate have taught a child that consequences don't matter, that you're just the best thing since sliced bread and that you're entitled <laughs> you're entitled to whatever you feel you think or you want to have you're entitled to it all and there is no punishment there's no consequence for anything that you do and that people should bow down to your graces because you're just that great even though it's just me your mom or your dad who thinks that but everyone should think this about you then you also have um what i call in the home abandonment so where you have mommy daddy or you know whatever your guardian is who's there but they're, they may only just give you the basics of needs where paying attention to you is not one of those needs. So I'm not going to be there for you. I'm not going to be attentive to your needs. I'm not going to uh, cater to you as you would do a child. I'm not going to be nurturing to you. Um, you're you're going to have to basically fend for yourself when it comes to the emotional part of your needs being met. Um, or I will be very critical of you. Hi, hypercritical of you very critical um because you are let's just say narcissistic parent a reflection of me so you're perfect just like i am and you're not showing up as that so i'm going to basically tear you down and not even know it um also there's a bad habit of um putting our wounds on our kids and so now i'm making my child responsible for my feelings yeah. and where you should have a therapist or a friend that is on your age level where you've made your child responsible for your feelings and how you feel and so that's heavy for someone who's five six seven years old oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so they've learned to uh basically put themselves to the side and then they don't pick that them up because also with narcissism it's a loss of identity because I'm picking up so many masks I've learned to put on that I don't even know who I am. So they, they learn not to center their own feelings, which is probably why they have to, they gravitate toward, like you said, these big personalities or these successful people to validate their own identity. There you go. Thanks. So then yeah. when you get to that 11, 11 year old mark, like you said, mm -hmm. a certain age, baby, it's go time. We're full blown. We're in it. When they get to that age and us as parents, when we start to see some of these tendencies in our own child, it, it's all hope lost that we just have a narc on our hands or what can we do? No, you still therapy. I will always advise therapy. Um, and then again, it's, it's just the parent. You have to be realistic. A lot of parents, I am one, I am also a stepmom. You have to put your feelings and what you feel aside because a lot of parents don't want to do what is right for their child because it's, they feel it's a reflection of them. If yeah. I say that, you know, my child needs therapy, then it's like, what have you been doing? And it may not necessarily all the time be something you have been doing, but you know what I'm saying? It's things you haven't been doing. It's just, let's fix it. Yeah. Don't focus on what causes so much, let's fix it. But again, Therapy, being consistent, you have to be consistent. You cannot have that child in therapy for periods of time and then take them out and then periods of time. Changing so behavior in the house. Life, basically, like this is a lifestyle. Oh, yes. No, this is a lifestyle for narcissistic people. Once we are like in this, they, you know, at 11, 12, you can probably help, you know what I'm saying, transform some things. But once we are like 20, 30 years old, especially in the 30s, going into the 40s, this is lifelong. My husband will lifelong need to continue to go to therapy. This is part yeah. of his regimen. <laughs> this is like getting the car oiled. <laughs> just like, yeah, like oil change. Just like yes. Gym, yes. Right. This is one of those things that he's going to need to help him stay calibrated. So yeah. are you afraid? Do you have fears that your child will start to emulate your husband's behavior? Uh, even if your husband is going through um, being different, isn't it? Isn't part of? I don't know how much of narcissism is genetic, but I know it's a learned behavior. Yes. So yeah. it's just, it's just. I one, I don't have the fear, and the reason why I don't have the fear is because it helps to have a strong, confident, secure parent in the household or guardian in the household to balance that out. As children. 
even me and you, we've picked up things from our parents, good yeah. and bad. He yeah, is going true. to pick up some things. But also when, once we've got older, we've recognized some of the things like, oh, I didn't like that. Mama did that. And you might recognize you're starting to do that. Like, okay, I need to change that because that's self-awareness. Yes. I make sure that he's self-aware even at age five of what he's doing, how yes. he's treating people. Yes. Because with you not correcting a child and letting them go on and become narcissistic, that's where the behavior continues, festers. Yes. You have to have a parent who's not afraid of that narcissistic parent. If you're going to stay to mm. help that child, you have to help the child. If you're going to stay for the kids, help the kids. Help the kids. Do <laughs> your thing and stay. So then we've, we've got all these tools on how you create this narcissistic child. Is there anything else that you want to add on, you know, how to create this beautiful, loving bundle of joy and make them into a ball of narc? Is there anything? <laughs> um, um, the proof in the genetics is hard. So okay. nothing has been said or, or, or been discovered yet to say everything is learned behavior. And most of the time, um, a lot of it, where it's been, you see in a lot of it now is because there is a parent or both parents in the household that are narcissistic. And like how we said a bit at the top of our conversation, that child, that blank slate, figured out if I was to be more like mama or daddy or grandma, whoever to cope. So I won't get abused as often. Then I'm going to that they've learned something they've learned to maybe think of in this moment, I'm going to become, they end up becoming fully, you know what I'm saying? Then you have your golden child. And then the one who decided like, no, I know good and bad. This is bad. That's going to be, you know, more likely the scapegoat child, <laughs> but yeah. So then um, mentioning, because like we said, I guess keep, I keep going back to this learned, it's a learned behavior. We learn mm -hmm. somebody. I don't know the stats. I'm not even going to try to throw it out there. But more than likely, if we recognize that we are ourselves disordered with one of these goo gob of personality disorders. Disorders. Uh-huh. Got it from somebody. Mm -hmm. and a lot of us will try to take it back to that person because we want them to get help too. We're like, oh my God, hey, I'm realizing this in me. I got this from you. You need to see a therapist because you have a pattern of broken relationships. You have no empathy. You give them a laundry list. When is a safe time to do that? To be honest with you, it's just when it feels right for the person, but more than likely it's not going to happen, just to be honest. Um, one, most narcissistic people aren't going to go to therapy. And so that's why even if you Google the percentage of how many narcissists are in the world, the percentage is going to be very low. Yeah. Um, when you know, like on a daily basis, like I, I just feel like, <laughs> like you're, right. you're narcissistic. Right. I mean, because um, we've had people to preside over this country that are full blown narcissists. We've had people to lead churches, some of our own teachers, maybe doctors, our friends, some of our parents, our own children. We had a yeah. guest podcast not too long ago, Dr. Sh Jeremy, that shared that his own son was a diagnosed narcissist. So um, they're all around us. But like you said, a lot of them ain't going. They right. And so because you have to get that diagnosis. You got to get the diagnosis. You got to get the diagnosis. And there's so no pill. If, there's no pill. To uh, no, no, no. There's no cure. There's only... Um, coping like uh, um, like just tools you can use like for my husband there's like not nothing he can take to voila this is gone but yeah. there are things and techniques and strategies that he can do to be better you can be better because he has to learn a lot like he's learning how to be self-aware yeah that's something you're supposed to teach your child you know as they're little imagine learning this in at late 30s that's got to feel really like vulnerable and naked to have to learn that in adulthood, how to be self-aware. Cause then you kind of realize you've been walking around with this cloak of just being so um, unaware of mm -hmm. people look at you, how you made people feel. And now it's all starting to come out and that's gotta feel really bad. Like, it does. And he gets angry too. Like an too. apology tour just to be like, yo, I, I'm well, he kind of did that. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of did like the text message apology toward the, the people he could get to. But at the same time, it's a lot of anger because it's like, I feel like it's the expectation. I should have been taught this. I, I should have yes. been. And so even when going to that parent and telling them, hey, like, 
this these are some things and like you know you failed me because you did not teach me basically a good right for wrong you taught me how to manipulate you didn't teach me how to have any self-awareness you didn't teach me how to have self-discipline you didn't teach me how to talk to myself in a positive light you didn't teach me how to encourage myself like you're crazy because they don't know how to do any of that stuff themselves they're just like there you go what are you talking about and that's exactly what you get what are you talking about (laughs) i didn't do that to you you had a great childhood well you well you know right so that you were a stepmother and so often on all of my pages because y'all know i got like 50 million pages i need to come back <laughs> but so often we talk about how to co-parent with a disordered person and typically um on the stepmom page we talk about it from the stepmothers that are dealing with a biological mother that maybe is undiagnosed or diagnosed as narcissistic um but in, in your case it's quite unique because you you can probably very much speak to how to co-parent with a narcissist because your stepchild's mother has had to do that. And while the person that you are with is undergoing healing, um, I don't want you to think about the person that you're with right now that's undergoing healing. I want you to talk, think about the one that was before and maybe offer some tips to those of us that are having to watch our partners co-parent with a person that is very much disordered. You know, can you, I don't even know where to start. Like, can you help? What can you say? What are we supposed to do, Coach Ralph? <laughs> Take the <long> side. <sighs> um, I, I only can speak but so much on this, but let's just say there are more narcissists in my party than you think. <laughs> okay. I, I, yes. Understandable. Because I know that they you do typically attract one another. I don't know if this conversation mm-hmm. before, but we're here to talk about it. Yes. Um, and narcissistic women are way different than narcissistic men. Yes. You uncover the fiber and take that mask off. You're like, oh, wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> Didn't know you had that back there, huh? But wow. trying to uh, to answer your question, trying to co-parent. Yes. Um, I'm going to put it in the words of my therapist. Um, being that I'm the stepmom. Unfortunately, you will look at me as, I guess, a parent. My husband will be B parent. And then the biological mom will be C parent. And when I say A, B, and C parent, this parent is um, providing the most to the child. Okay. And then, you, and then it's my husband. And then it's the biological parent who the child stays with. Okay. And so in that, because I'm not dealing with a disorder... I know how to be attentive. I know like, okay, you, you need to be taught right from wrong. You need, you know, saying to show, be shown love and affection. And you also, you know, need correction. And so I've been taking on the role of primary parent, even though I'm the step parent, which I feel like I should be more of a helper than right. taking on so much. But if I you know anything about, ideally, I have my six pack back, but you know, that ain't where we at right now. <laughs> and so I'm the type of person who doesn't look at my stepchild as a stepchild. I look at that's my first baby because she's older. I, I look at that's my first baby. Yeah. And so I, I don't treat any differently, you know, at all. But because we have um, parents with disorders, we all have we have learned um, bad behaviors. Um, yeah. And so the only thing I can say is to uh, govern your expectations, um, govern yeah. your feelings. Yeah. Um, because I have been hurt. Um, I have been lied on. I have been tried to, uh, have a bully come against me. And I'm like, clearly they, they don't know who I am. <laughs> As I said before, I will buck back. I'm that type of person. Like, Oh, I don't want they the don't drama. I want all, like the rest I of want them. all like, of the smoke, honey. I want all of the smoke because I already know what I'm dealing with. Yes. You're coming against someone who's secure and I'm dealing with insecure people. So honey, please come. Please, so I can gather everyone up. Please come. <laughs> but my expectations had to have been been changed so many times. Um, my feelings have been hurt because I would fall right back into loving, you know, treating the child as my child just to get stabbed in the stomach. And so I, I who has these learned behaviors. They're coping. They're they're learning from. Yes. Uh, you know, we can't speak on the partner that you're you're not with. Right. But. Um, you know, they're learning this insecurity mm-hmm. from, uh, one pr- from a parental figure. 
And so you're trying to show them love and they're probably rejecting you. Because number one, if you're insecure, that means you probably believe that you are inherently devoid of value. Like, I don't really have any value. Why are you showing me that you love me? I know right. you love me. So I'm going to throw this back on you because you're making me feel bad that you're trying to love me. And so yeah. you don't make the child, as you said, false allegations start to happen. Mm -hmm. How do you protect your own child? Because I see a lot of step parents dealing with this. You recognize, you're like, all right. And I think I made a post not too long ago. It was for stepmoms. I was like, have you ever recognized that, yeah, the other household might be crazy, but your partner is part of the problem too? But then these yes. children, um, they also become very problematic. But then we have children with our partner. How do we keep our kids from following the pattern of their half-sibling and their parent that resides with us? How, how do we protect our own? I'm going to tell you what I do. <laughs> I know that I know a lot of people will not agree, but I am hard on letting a child be a child and keeping an innocence, right? You know what I'm saying? And a lot of the early years are helping to show, shape a child into who they are by influence. Yes. If who the influence is, it's who's going to help build out who that person is. So I limit the influence, regardless of who it is. I don't care because this is a gift that was given to me. If the parent is a bad influence, we're going to limit that influence, even if we are in the house. <laughs> right. If the, if the sibling is a bad influence, we're going to limit the interaction that you have with that sibling. I, I know we can't have a perfect child, a perfect person, but I'm right. going to do my best to make sure as a protector that I'm not adding to the trauma because what I don't want, and the same thing I've told my husband, I don't ever want my child to come back to me and say, why didn't you protect me? Or why didn't you stop them from, from doing that? Like, why did you let me go around them? Why if did you knew that? Me if you knew that. Because right. no good answer that a parent can give for if you knew this, mama. Why you let me? Yeah. Why you let me hang around them? Why did Why did you let me go to Uncle Joe's house if you know that he had a thing for little kids? Like, right. why you let me go over there if you knew that they were just going to like yell at me and abuse me? Like, why do you like keep? Like, why do you allow me to keep going over there? And if your only answer is because that's your grandfather, that's your grandmother, that's not a good answer. <laughs> that is not. That's no longer because that's your mom. No, right. no. Those are titles. So um, what you're saying is without, you know, <laughs> anybody else. And, you know, we have to be so careful with our words because yeah. it's recorded. This is going on air. And I want us to produce mm -hmm. material that you and me both can be proud of 5, 10, 15 years from now. And we're not harming the people. And right. they might be at a point to where they finally want to get help. And they'll see something that we said in 2021 and it'll take them back. So, yeah. so one thing I, I just, you know, be want, want to be very careful with how we position this, but I'm firmly with you. If right now you're dealing with a person that you see is disordered or they're coming into their own disorder, then you do want to limit the interaction with the innocent child to save them. And yes, it is saving because we don't want our children to be disordered. That's right. not any of us strive to be. That's something that we strive to set ourselves apart from. So then, I, I, you know, it's so hard because every woman says, one thing I see, Ralph, every man says his ex-wife is a narcissist. <laughs> every woman says her ex, especially her baby daddy, is a freaking narc. And, yes. You know, the woman, the person that ends up with that um, accused narcissist. Yes. They're kind of left standing in the middle of a family's disorders, a family's dysfunction, the brokenness, the devastation of separation and all that good stuff. How do you protect yourself? We talked about how to protect the kid and how to protect our partners. How the hell are we supposed to protect ourselves, Coach Ralph? And I, I don't want to just, I don't want to, but just in my experience, I have recognized, um, especially in the African-American community, in the Black community, that the awareness is very low. Damn. A, a lot of my clients who've come to me off of just like, just trying to figure out, they just need help, really wanting to stay together. Mm -hmm. um, 
they really thought that their partner was like maybe bipolar. Because in our community, if somebody's flip-flopping, the mood changing all the time, we're going to be like, boom. Right. Thank God for Instagram, and we're starting to learn the names of all this stuff. <laughs> yes. One idol wasn't bipolar. She was a psychopath. Right, right. But everything, we're bipolar, bipolar. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? And so the awareness, the awareness has to be there. Like I would say, the, the information that you're putting out, the information that I'm putting out, we have to put this information out because we don't know. And the more you know, you don't have oh to know God. it in depth like we do, but you need to know enough signs and traits to be like, okay, wait a minute. And then also what I push to is being in alignment. And when I say alignment, your wholeness. That is your alarm. That is your wall. That is your defense against anything that comes against you that's not for you. And a lot of times we put that down off of pity and hope. First is pity. First is pity. Mm -hmm. Pity and hope. Pity and hope will get you in trouble every single time. Because we think we're supposed, especially as women, we think we're supposed to nurture and we can just love the hot mess out of them. But they mama put that there. Girl, yes. Let me put that there uh, long before you came into the picture. And it's not your job to unearth or undo that. And so, oh, it's a lot, Coach Ralph. <laughs> it is a lot. It is a lot. But that's how we, that as women, that's exactly how we get into, we meet somebody and it's great the first couple of weeks or whatever. And then that first red flag comes up and then you're like, oh, but they're so cool. Oh, but they're so nice. Oh, our connection. Oh, our sex. Oh, mm. and then. And then so we like, oh, and then we keep right. going on. And then we come to, oh, another red flag. Oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put my boundaries down. Never mind. <laughs> yes. I'm too I'm too far in now. <laughs> exactly. So one last question though, because I, I made a post, um, I think it was last week or I don't know when. And it was talking about the key differences between the female and the male narcissist. And I know you've had professional experience with both of those. And I know you have way more information. Y'all, please check out her, her, her Instagram page, especially. But from your own personal, I'm sorry, professional experience. And personal. And dealing with the female narcissist, what are some telltale signs? Like, what does she say? What does she do to... That's a dead giveaway. Like, oh, sis is kind of. Or you could just be like, oh, some, something's up with sis. Where yeah. even though this is always said, and this is for anybody, everything has to be about them. And when I say it, it could be some small, like when they come into the room, say if everyone didn't pay attention, they're coming to you. So say if we're at a gathering and it's at your house, right, Naja? And I come over and so I walk in the room and I'm like, oh my God, who said hey? But you didn't. I'm coming exactly to you. I'm like, so, like, did you feel bad that my outfit was better than yours? Or damn! Like, I'm like, damn, bitch! It's too much! <laughs> I was busy greeting people. What is wrong? Um, another tell <laughs> sign. Yes, another tell sign is the, the, the level of gossip. And so, again, say we're at a restaurant, me and you're having a good time, and a young lady comes into the restaurant, but it makes me feel a type of way. I'm automatically going to start to tear her down don't know her from <laughs> from sam but yeah. because her outfit her hair or whatever looks better than than me then i'm gonna oh she thinks she all that oh this and that another thing is um it's kind of a, a a trait but um overly seductive mm. that's another thing for trying to draw the attention draw the it, attention here sexes because women yeah using sex as a means to draw attention to us yes um i have a hard time with uh what i want to say um empathy and you're going to see this especially right. with girlfriends and friendships yes. so you know um say someone in your family died and you go to you thinking this is your best friend and you go to them and, and you're you know you need a shoulder and they're just like mm, i don't i don't really know how to deal with oh. Just cold. Yeah. And then, and they'll tell you, like, I, I just don't deal with death well. But there's no, like, reassurance, like, you know, I don't deal with death well, but I, you know, let me hug you or let me give you something. Um, a lot of relationships, like, yeah, can't keep, can't keep a man, can't keep a man. No accountability. Friends, can't keep a job. Can't keep a, can't keep a job. And in every, in every situation is always there the victim. 
Okay. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? The guy, he didn't do me right. He didn't understand me at the job. The boss, you know, didn't want me to get off. And this, you know, they're always attacking me. It's always me, me. Oh, gosh. Everyone hates me. Yes. Um, so, another thing is, okay. oh, go ahead. Hmm. Oh, so I feel like we can go on literally all. Yes. <laughs> a whole separate talk about the female narcissist because there's a lot of us that don't recognize these traits in our daughters and our mothers and ourselves and our grandmothers and our aunties and our co-parents. Um, and we also kind of need to, I think we're going to, you're going to have to come back. Y'all and coach Ralph, are you down to do a part two? You, I am down to do a part two. Cause not only do we not want to, we want to talk about the narcissists, but we also got to figure out how the hell are we supposed to deal with them? Because they are a hot mess. <laughs> and that and that is, yes, and that is key. Yes. <laughs> that is key, yes. But you know what? Everybody, today we are actually out of time. I, I told you guys I wasn't going to keep you this long, but you see how interesting this conversation has. So Coach Ralph has agreed to come back. Coach Ralph, can you tell everybody how to find you, where to find you, where to follow, all that good stuff? Yes. So you can always find me on Instagram and that's Ralph, the coach at Ralph, the coach. Um, also, if you just want to just go gandering around, you can also go to RalphieLToulon.com and that's R-A-L-P-H-I-E-L-T-O-U-L-O-N.com. That's my website. And um, you can contact me. Um, and then also in the near future, I will be having a membership site. So you can all just come to my community and we can all do this together. Yes, membership site. You all know I'm all about some membership site. Right? <laughs> yes. Way to do it. Coach Ralph, I thank you so much for being here. And I will let you guys know, she and I are going to talk offline and figure out when we're going to come back for part two. But yeah, that's going to be a part two. We're going to talk about female narcs and how to deal with them and how to spot them. Yes. Even how to get under their skin, because I know it's possible. Oh, no, I, yes. Yes. <laughs> so I am Naja Hall, your host. No, I'm crazy with Naja Hall, streaming on all of your favorite platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for the love and support. And I'll see you Tuesday after next. I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall. I know I'm crazy. 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 Naja Hall.